0: So the calendar has turned to April. I wonder if we have anything to talk about on this football podcast. All right, welcome into a new episode of the Zero Technique Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Stern. Join with me today is fellow Backsports Page writer Matthew Sargent. Matthew, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, man. It's exciting to be here.
0: Yeah. So uh, we uh, we both work for BacksportsPage.com. Make sure you're checking out the website. You, uh, I know Matthew tonight is going to have his article about the Dolphins that we're going to get into a little bit uh, before we talk about the top five, or maybe even a little more, depending on uh, depending on time. Uh, the running backs in, in the NFL draft. I mean, th- this is a, a position that has really been devalued over the past couple of years, which is a shame because there are some really talented guys in, in this draft. So we're, uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we do, uh, let everyone know out there uh, a little bit about you and and, uh, and your sports background.
1: Yeah, so I grew up mostly in college towns, actually. I grew up a little bit in Tuscaloosa, spent some time living in Gainesville. Uh, So, very close to college football my whole life, you know, being at SEC schools and whatnot. Uh, You know, living down in South Florida now, looking mostly at the Dolphins. But uh, if I'm being honest, I was always a Colts fan, being younger, watching Peyton Manning even when he lost to the Saints. Uh, <laughs> but, so, yeah, that's kind of my background, you know, mostly football. That's really my passion, uh, specifically college. But, you know, there's the guys you love in college, and then you want to watch them play in the pros. So I ended up a pro fan as well.
0: All right, yeah. So um, do you have a, a specific college team that you follow? I know you said you, you lived in two. Uh, I'd say they're a pretty <laughs> robust yeah. uh, college, uh, college town's. Uh, with, with Alabama and Florida, is there a particular team that you follow the most?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough, you know, because I grew up in Tuscaloosa. And so it's hard to imagine being anything except a Crimson Tide fan. But uh, going to college at UF and seeing those games every weekend, it's for me, it's got to be Florida.
0: All right. So I know uh, if uh, if Gatorick, uh, so uh, I'm I, baseball player. Uh, been playing pretty much my entire life. Uh, one of the pitchers that I became closest to uh, is, a, is a UF grad, and his, his the only thing he was ever called on the team was Gator Rick. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, shout out to him. Uh, that's and, a uh, high
1: I, compliment in Gainesville. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. So, let's uh, let's get into uh, the article that's going to be coming out tonight up on mm-hmm. backsportspage.com. And the Miami Dolphins are going to be a real prominent player in this year's NFL draft, having picks three and eighteen currently. Uh, Obviously, Mm -hmm. we've seen teams uh, trade in and out so far. Uh, Or they're actually at six now. I forgot they they (laughs) they're six. I was going to let you get there. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they they were the ones who have traded twice, Uh, Mm -hmm. back to twelve, and then back up to number six. So they essentially traded. They they acquired a 2023 first round pick. I know that there are some swaps with with later round picks, but they essentially acquired a 2023 first round draft pick to fall back from three to six. And I thought it was an absolutely brilliant move because Mm. the odds are the guy that they want to pick at number three is probably going to be there at number six.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I mean, It's funny because we were looking mostly wide receivers and now we've got the signing of Will Fuller. Uh, But personally in my mocks, that still hasn't changed a whole lot. I don't think you can have too many good options, uh, especially for a guy like Tua. So I think that everything they want to do, they can still do.
0: Yeah. And I mean, right now I, it looks like that the top four picks in the draft could very easily be quarterbacks. Mm. And the I, I know there's a lot of talk about the uh the Cincinnati Bengals potentially taking someone like a Jamar Chase and pairing him up with his college quarterback Joe Burrow. Uh but to me, uh, wide receiver is not the 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 way that they need to go in the first round, especially with the depth of wide receivers in this draft. Uh they need help along the offensive line. And I know offensive line is also a, a pretty deep so that this is Pick your pleasure right now for uh, mm-hmm. for the Bengals there at number five. I personally happen to love Penny Sewell there. Uh, I, I think he would be a, an elite left tackle there. They would be able to move Jonah Williams over to the right side where I think he could be one of the best right tackles in the in the game. Which then leaves the uh, the Dolphins with their choice of pass catchers. So, say quarterbacks go one through four. And an offensive lineman goes five. If and so now they have their choice of either of the Alabama wide receivers to pair them to pair them up with uh, Tua, uh, Jamar Chase, who seems to be the consensus top wide receiver in the draft, or Kyle Pitts. Which is mm-hmm. the direction you're feeling right now?
1: Yeah. So in the article, I do talk a little bit about the opportunity of having Kyle Pitts there. Uh, but I'm going to try and set my bias aside a little bit on that one, being the Gator fan than I am. Uh, and this, I hate to come on here in my first time, have a little bit of a hot take, but I think Jalen Waddle is probably the best wide receiver in this draft class.
0: So I, I, I have him as one B. I, I, there, mm-hmm. A lot of people have chase and then a, a pretty big separation between Waddle and Smith. I think the bigger separation is, be- uh, is between Waddle and Smith. I think Waddle mm. is a lot closer to Chase than he is to Smith.
1: Mm. Yeah, and so given that, I mean, really, the Dolphins could go with either of the two. I don't see them going Smith that early. Uh, and as far as if you want to compare the two, with Jamar Chase, you've got somebody very reliable. You know, he's really not going to be dropping a whole ton. You know, he's consistent uh, and one of the better wide receiver prospects, even in the last several years. Uh, But then you look at Jalen Waddell, who beyond even being reliable and getting those 50-50 balls, I think he's also very exciting and he brings a lot of flash to a team. And I think very similar to uh, what Manny Diaz is doing with the Miami Hurricanes, I think Brian Flores can look to add maybe some flash Uh, to the Miami Dolphins and really make that an exciting team to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And right now, if you're looking for a a downfield threat right now, the the best guy in the draft is Jalen Model. Uh, There's no one who's going to be as explosive as him off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought he really improved as a route runner. And you take a look at the four games that he played this season with Devonta Smith. And even though Smith had 13 more receptions, uh, Waddle had 74 more yards uh, Mm -hmm. in in those four games than Devonta Smith had. And if it weren't for that ankle injury, we may not have Devonta Smith putting up the season that he ended up putting up.
1: Mm -hmm. So let me go ahead, uh, if you'll give me the opportunity, if I could ask you, how much of a concern do you think it is the limited amount of tape we have on Jamar Chase?
0: Uh, I, I don't mind at all. There's really? uh, yeah, because I, I know it was really only one major year of production, but you take a look at that year and he was the alpha in that uh, on, on, in that wide receiver group. You mm-hmm. take a look at now what Justin Jefferson was able to do his rookie year and he was considered the second best <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wide receiver of uh, of the group at LSU. Um, I, I'm not overly concerned about the the, the limited one year production because it, there there was just so much production uh, mm. in, in that one year. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's tough. You know, I'll keep my opinion on the opt outs and everything to myself. Um, but I'm very much a prove it to me guy. And I think, you know, considering the supporting cast, which was obviously incredible at LSU, it's really hard to just look at these guys in a vacuum. Uh, And so I just don't try and do that. So I do believe a lot of the hype behind Jamar Chase. uh, But like I said before, he's still my wide receiver too. All
0: right. So now, to me, the most intriguing pick is the pick at number 18. Now, the, the Dolphins, to me, actually have one of the more complete line uh rosters Mm -hmm. especially in the afc there aren't a whole lot of holes that that they need to fill so 18 could very well be just a a bpa kind of pick for them or do you see somebody who is in that range that is both a a fit as a need uh combining with a value
1: yeah well I mean, all things considered, this is a weird pick because if you had told me a couple months ago I was going to make this, I would have called you crazy. But looking at how Micah Parsons has fallen down a lot of draft boards, you he's don't not, think so? He's
0: not getting past the Giants at 11.
1: <laughs> so I I mostly agree with you. I, For a long time, I had him going to the Panthers. Um, yeah. But seeing the way things are going, if maybe by some sort of chance he ends up at 18 – I think that's a position oh. that the Dolphins would love to fill. My goodness. I mean, um, uh,
0: that, that, yeah, that's value plus need. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an absolute slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love Micah Parsons.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've been watching him slide now for a couple months and obviously there's some off the field issues that we're worried about and things like that. Uh, but I think additionally at number 18, Micah Parsons, maybe in more honesty is a trade forward guy, yeah. Uh, if we're talking about, you know, the Dolphins obviously have all the draft stock in the world right now. Right. If they wanted to trade back, I don't want to jump into what we're talking about later, but I think running backs, I think Najee Harris even could be a great fit. Uh, Travis Etienne as well. Cause I know it seems like this Miami fan base isn't too hot on these Bama players. <laughs> uh, so you could take your pick of the two. Oh,
0: well uh, I, I know when, uh, when my mock draft comes out later out later tonight as well, uh, I love Najee Harris. Not not, and we're we're going to talk about the the running backs in just a little bit. the The Miami Dolphins are one of those few teams, and, and they're they're probably them and the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are the two teams that I think have an opening at running back that they're going to be willing to give whoever they bring in day one. They're going to be a three down. Running back, mm-hmm. and you—if you put Najee Harris in that system, I mean, oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, I have the, the—the guy that I happen to love uh, is in early in the second round, Javante Williams mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: from from North Carolina. I—I I think his style of running is very similar to uh, to to what we saw from. Uh, from from the uh, the guys that uh, Miami had last year, uh, uh, Jordan Howard and um, oh, name's escaping me.
1: Uh, Matt Breida. No,
0: no, no, no the 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 one who was actually good. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> oh my God, why why is it his name... name's oh, okay? Well, we'll get we'll get back to it. Um, but the, when they had a, a running back, they were willing to utilize that running back in a star three down role and, and be willing to give them the majority of carries in a game. And if they're going to be willing to do that with Najee Harris, yeah, that's, uh, th- that, that would be a slam dunk. The guy that I happen to, to love going there, I uh, Jeremiah Wosu Kormoa, I think mm-hmm. is, is a great fit there. Um, but in my in my mock draft even though i also uh jeremiah koromoa was on the board i had them going quitty pay mm. uh, I, I think that the the edge is something that they they need to improve and i love he he's not going to absolutely wow you with these measurables that you see uh at the combine or a pro day but you watch I watched, I I spent a Sunday morning. I spent three hours watching tape on Quidipe and Gregory Russo. Just that Mm -hmm. that's all I did and trying to compare the two. And I fell in love with Quidipe's tape. Yeah, Uh, He has a nonstop motor. He defends the run just as well as he gets after the quarterback. Uh, I I think he's one of the more underrated talents in, in the draft.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that, uh, in that article we were talking about earlier for the Miami Dolphins, I talk a little bit about Gregory Rousseau. Uh, and maybe I was a little too hard on him. Um, but he's not a guy who I see on nearly the same level as a quiddy pay.
0: No, in fact, I I had his teammate at Miami, Jalen Phillips. I have him ahead of Gregor Russo now mm. as well. I have Pay at number one, Phillips at number two. But I actually in my mock I had Phillips come off the board because I think the NFL will like his skill set more than they'll like Quiddy Pays. But I mm. I, I still have Pay at number one. Um, I also have uh, Aziz Ojolari ahead of R- Russo as well. So Russo is now my, my fourth uh rated edge guy. So yeah, I mean obviously we saw the, the one season and fifteen and a half sacks. Uh but I, I look at his frame and I I don't see a consistent motor. I saw a ton of coverage sacks. Uh the the fact that um that year Miami's secondary was uh played really well. They were, and he was able to get a couple sacks where the quarterback was scrambling out of the pocket, waiting for someone to get open. It didn't happen. And that's when Rousseau took advantage. And mm-hmm. I think he gets pushed off the ball in the run game too much.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I'm always, always, always going to take a polished player over somebody who looks maybe a little more raw. Yeah. Uh, and, You know, going back to this, I'm never going to say that the Bengals need to take Rashawn Slater over Panay Sewell, but I'm saying if I'm a couple picks after and maybe they're both still on the board, like I'm always going to pick the guy who maybe athletically isn't as great, maybe the frame isn't as great, but really has a polished play style. So, yeah. um,
0: And I, I do think that taking 2020 off, hurt some players more than it hurt others mm. uh i think it hurt caleb farley i think it hurt penne sewell and i think rayshon slater was able to take advantage of it and and we look now daniel jeremiah uh just released his uh, his newest top 50 and he has slater ranked ahead of sewell cool. uh I, yeah which i'm starting to see more often mm. um P- the NFL teams, I think, are, are falling in love with Sean Slater. Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, make sure you're checking out BackSportsPage.com. Later on today after the show, uh, you'll get a glimpse of of uh, Matthew's article about the Dolphins. All right. On to the draft and the running backs. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we're going to get at least into our top five running backs in the draft, who do you have atop your list?
1: Number one, for me, it's Najee Harris. I might've brought it up a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, I mean, his speed, I got to get this out of the way first. His speed might not be incredible, but once you consider his size, this is somebody who's faster than the guys who are really going to line up next to him. I mean, he's like 6'2", 230, I think. Uh, just so creative with the ball. You know, his vision is great um, and super reliable as a pass catcher. I think he had, uh, he combined for five touchdowns against Florida in the SEC Championship, three of which were receiving. And then he got uh, two more to throw on top of that against Ohio State receiving. So just all around, I think Najee's the top pick and it's not even really as close for me as I see it is for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is clearly my number one as well. Uh, shouldn't be uh, a, a big shocker there with how I was waxing poetic about him earlier. Uh, his size. Yeah. He, he doesn't have the, the breakaway speed that some of these other guys have. He's going to run you over. And as we saw in the uh, college football semifinal, he's going to jump over you too. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Uh, I mean, as a Notre Dame fan, I I, I was sitting there and, I mean, I'm just watching and my jaws to the ground that someone this big can be that agile. And, and, I mean, that's athleticism right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, he's not going to get very many 85-yard touchdowns. That's just not part of his game. That's not what you're drafting him for. You're drafting him for the same reason that the Tennessee Titans drafted Derek Henry.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. He's so reliable for five, six yards out of a carry. Uh, For me, he's got to be number one.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, I think he might be, if not the best, he may be number two, number three in terms of, pass catchers out of the backfield. Uh mm. his, his pass catching is so severely underrated. Uh he is a great route runner uh out, out when when he slips out uh, and especially those uh, those Texas routes where he can either uh <clears throat> cut the uh, cut the corner into the middle or cut it into the flat. I mean the his his ability to cut on a dime for someone as big as he is is just It's not fair. Mm -hmm. All right. Who do you got? Number two. Uh,
1: Number two, to nobody's surprise, that's going to be Travis Etienne. Uh, And one thing I love about watching him play is he's like 5'10", 210, I think. And he's built so compact, but he will run straight through you, um, which is not something you're going to see often out of a guy who's 5'10". Uh, and so just, and his speed also incredible, you know, he's quicker than fast. Uh, there's a lot to love about his game. It's just, for me, there's a couple small things that are going to separate <laughs> Najee Harris from him.
0: Uh, all right. So yeah, let's get into so, some, so Travis Aitan is also my number two. Um, and again, yes, I, I am a Notre Dame fan, but I'm lo- I'm looking at that first game, the the game that Notre Dame won in overtime. Um, I I look at that game and the touchdown that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa had, and it it was a play that Travis Etienne let owusu coming on that blitz get in his head. He did not. Field that, that ball properly at all, and we've uh, and it wasn't the only time that something like that has happened. Um, sometimes he can be he, he's better with contact after the line of scrimmage than he is before the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him be able to take on a blitzer and, and be able to avoid instead of just letting him himself get taken down for a loss. I mean, uh, he, he really got taken down. Uh, for a loss more often than someone as good as he is should.
1: Mm. Yeah. And you bring up a great point with the, uh, with the touchdown because uh, fumbles seem to be a problem yep. almost the entire, I don't know that it was his junior or senior season, but this most recent season, it seems like just over and over. Senior.
0: Yeah. I, I found a lot of people were shocked when uh, he didn't come out after, uh, after last year, when he could have as, as, uh, as a true junior, uh, but he went back for his senior year.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I just, that's one of those things, you know, and then you get in front of a camera and you forget, you know? <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I, he, he's going to be your prototypical one cut runner. If he ends up in a, a system like Kyle Shanahan's and and I know it, it's going to be very difficult for, them to be able to, to get him in the second because he well he may be off in the first but if he's not I think he's off real early in in the uh second. He he's going to be that guy that if you get him on the outside that's where he's going to uh produce the most. Mm-hmm. Um I I, <clears throat> I would like to see him play as fast as he actually is sometimes mm-hmm. uh, okay number three who you got
1: yeah so number three i got javante williams uh i feel like these first three are a little predictable but i promise yeah. i'll start surprising some people in a second here all right uh but javante williams out of unc i mean it was great you know he won me plenty of fantasy games especially i hate to say it against notre dame uh but just a fun guy to watch he was always putting up numbers um I mean, cons against his game, I don't necessarily see a ton. I just like to see more of some of the good things.
0: Yeah, he's going to be your prototypical prototypical between the tackles runner. Um he I, I think he actually broke the record uh for most uh for creating most missed tackles in the history mm. of college football. I mean, that that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 5'10", 225. And for for someone who's that size, running 4.55 is perfectly fine. The,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I wasn't expecting that. There were a lot of people I know that when they were watching the North Carolina Pro Day, and I, I was looking on Twitter when he ran a four five five. Everyone's like, "Oh, Javante Williams gonna slip now uh, with that." I wasn't expecting him to run it in the four fours. That's his body frame is not built for someone uh, to to run in the four fours. Four mm-hmm. five five is perfectly fine with the <clears throat> with, with the kind of bowling ball. Uh, running style that he runs with. And mm-hmm. he's also a, a really good pass catcher, which we didn't even get to see that much because they had an even better pass catcher out of the backfield with Michael mm-hmm. Carter.
1: Yeah. I think also uh, when you bring up the missed tackles, one thing I've noticed watching on his film, this guy never came down to an arm tackle, it seemed no. like. I mean, no. it was insane. He would just go straight through it. So if you were going to get this guy, you had to get in front of him. And like you said, just that bowling ball type running. He's tough to bring down, you know, <laughs> to say the least.
0: Yeah, and he yeah he's he's very smooth. He finds holes, Uh and, and he he very you'll never see him run into his offensive lineman's back, which mm-hmm. is something that we we do see e- even with with Najee sometimes. And a lot of that is because with with Najee the offensive line is sometimes so good that they're they're always going to – they're they're not chasing. They're always going Mm -hmm. to have their back in front of them. Um, And, and again, same thing with Travis Etienne. Uh, Who do you got at number
1: four? So number four, I actually got Trey Sermon here. Um, I love, again, another guy. I seem to have a thing today with picking guys with just kind of average speed. Um, but even despite his speed, he has this incredible, like elusiveness and agility, uh, just his quick, like these quickest little movements that he makes, uh, you wouldn't expect out of a guy built like him running the speed he does. Uh, but I also have a knack for picking guys who are fun to watch. And I think Trey Sermon's one of them.
0: So I've I've been battling for the past couple days of who I'm who I have at number four, who I have at number five, and Trey Sermon is usually one. It's Trey Sermon, and right now I I have someone else, Uh, but I I I, yeah I really do like Trey Sermon. Um, He had a a tough time at Oklahoma, uh, forced the the transfer to Ohio State, and that big 10 championship game is going to go down in absolute lore. Uh, I mean, we, 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 the, the Northwestern defense is, was one of the better defenses in the entire college football Mm -hmm. landscape in 2020. And what he was able to do against that defense, just running at will breaking off plays, breaking off, it seemed like every eight yards, 10 yards, 11 yards, seven yards, he was picking up those chunks. And, and I mean, he, he, if he were more athletic, if he were able to put up the, the four, the high four, fours, low four fives, if he were, was able to, to be quicker in the three cone, he would be talked about up there with Javonta Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, The guy who I actually have right now at number four is Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. Um, You're not going to see a whole lot. He's not going to rack up the carries uh, in in the NFL. I can see him being the next James White. Uh, Mm. He's going, he's, I mean, we saw in 2000, in 2019, uh, he was actually the reason why uh, Antonio Gibson didn't get as many carries as he should have. He was actually higher on the depth chart than Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson, who had a spectacular rookie season, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, over there in Washington. Uh Gainwell, to me right now, is the best pass catcher in uh, in the draft out of the backfield. Um and he does not have a whole lot of tape either, because he did also opt out uh, from the uh, the 2020 season because of uh, issues with his, uh, I think with it with his father, um, who who had been sick. He lost his mother um, not too long ago, so that that was the reason he had opted out. Uh, so we we don't have a whole lot of tape on Kenneth Gainwell, but what we did see, I, I thought, was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. uh all right wrapping up our top five who do you got
1: so i'm a little upset you said that because i was gonna have kenneth gainwell at number five and thought that was gonna be some big world shattering pick <laughs> you said it and i sat here and i was like maybe i throw him a curveball maybe i say like Ramondre jay stevenson or but i'm gonna stick with kenneth gainwell uh it's weird watching him play because memphis just used him in the weirdest way sometimes yeah it was really hard to get a feel of the kind of guy we were getting, and I know earlier we were talking about uh, like Jamar Chase, I think it was, and I told you I really want to see and understand these players. So I know that Kenneth Gainwell is a little bit more of a gamble, um, but I mean, there's so much that I loved about him, and I think you really just put him in a you know standard set. I thought about uh, putting Michael Carter in here as well. Um, Because he was another guy, got used kind of weirdly, a lot of split-back sets. Uh, I think I even saw Michael Carter do a bunch of run blocking. Uh, But yeah, for me, Kenneth Gainwell's number five.
0: All right, so before we end, are there... So let's go a little bit beyond. Let's go into the guys who may not uh, be day one or day two picks. Uh, Guys Mm -hmm. that we're expecting to go day three. Are there... Who do you think is most ready to make an impact as a rookie from those day three guys
1: yeah for me it's hard to get a really solid feel for him going into the draft but Ramondre Stevenson I know I just brought him up a second ago uh just watching him play he was such a smooth runner I felt like uh and that's something that's really hard to put on paper and describe but you kind of know it when you see it Uh, And just watching him, uh, unfortunately, specifically watching him against the Gators, uh, which, again, not the best defense in the world. I understand that before I say anything. Um, But the way guys were were just, like, peeling right off of him or just falling down right in front of him. I mean, there's so many things that he can do with the ball. And I keep coming back to this, but just a really smooth runner.
0: So the guy that I am – that, that I think is going to slip to day three, but can be a real impact guy is someone like Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very long ago that Chuba Hubbard was thought of as the top running back in, mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in this class. Uh, again, he was another one that a lot of people were surprised that didn't come out uh, after his red sophomore season last year uh, goes back to Oklahoma state And his production just went away. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I know that he, that they did lose a couple offensive linemen uh, from 2019 into 2020. To be honest, if I had seen that, if I were Chuba Hubbard, I would have used that as, okay, I need to get out of here because I don't know what my blocking is going to look like, but he's got just, the, the the perfect size speed combo that you want out of a three down running back. I, I think he has the skill set to be uh, a, a real. Uh, like I said, a three down guy. I, I think he's really? able to. Uh, he needs to be more uh, more assertive in uh, pass blocking. That that's the the one thing uh, he did have uh, an issue with. <laughs> But I, I really I, I look at his 2019 tape and um, I, I wonder where that went because that has mm-hmm. to be inside him somewhere. And yeah. again, uh, maybe I, I I think that the the Buffalo Bills are going to go after someone like a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne sitting there at number thirty. Um, again, and I I think it would also that's a little too early for Javonta Williams. Um, but he also won't be there when they pick at at the end of the second round. Mm. Someone like a a Chuba Hubbard, I think, can go into Buffalo and really have an impact because I'm not sold on Devin Singletary or Zach Moss.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. And something interesting, especially about that Cowboys offense, is the way they had um, Spencer Sanders, it was, and I'm forgetting the name of the wide receiver for OSU. Um, but regardless that scheme they were running, I feel like was really built more for a speed back, at least from what I was seeing, uh, especially with what, uh, Spencer Sanders brought to the table. And so, yeah, I think him and a new system, you know, with a new offense, I think he, Tyler could... Wallace? Wallace, that was it. Yeah. Thank you. Google always comes in, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think him somewhere else, I think we can see him go right back to that 2019 form. He absolutely slipped my name when you asked me that question a minute ago, but I might have to rescind my Ramon J. Stevenson (laughs) pick for uh, Chuba Humphrey.
0: All right. So that is going to wrap it up for the uh, running back portion of, uh, of the zero technique football podcast coming up. We will have wide receivers uh, probably mix in tight ends with with the wide receivers is really, I mean, there's Kyle Pitts, and then there's everybody else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hunter long, I think can be a uh, similar to like a, a Kyle Rudolph uh, maybe late, late stage Kyle Rudolph. I don't think he's going to be as productive, but he he's got a chance. Pat Fryer out of, uh, out of, uh northwestern uh why am i blind Penn State Frymouth right yeah Penn State um he he's got a, a chance to be pretty good but it, it's Kyle Pitts and the rest.
1: Um
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh then we'll get into the uh the offensive linemen. So make sure you are uh subscribed to Back Sports page on YouTube and on uh facebook so that you'll uh, be able to get those live as they come up. Matthew, want to thank you for uh for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, so make sure uh again, following backsports page on all social media accounts and check out backsportspage.com. Later on today, uh Matthew's article about the dolphins, my new mock draft will be up later today. Make sure you're checking it out. So until we meet again, have a great night.